every veteran, there is a story. A story about a calling to serve, to fight for the freedoms of the American people. And every story has a struggle, a sacrifice, and invisible wounds. Warrior Wads programs help veterans recover from PTSD and invisible wounds through exercise, nutrition, and connecting with other veteran leaders. It is estimated that 22 veterans die each day by suicide and another 30 veterans die each day by substance abuse. These are preventable deaths. Warrior Wad is committed to fighting PTSD through fitness, nutrition, and community. opportunity to support our heroes in their time of need. Will you join us and take action? All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. Fit Nation. We are a show founded by a veteran and hosted by two veterans and a military spouse. Our mission is to get people to tell their story to the world. If you're an author, share your tips with Ms. Fulgurchi. If you're a musician or actor, our audience needs to know how they too can get into the business. Coaches, we love our coaches. Come on and share some of your tips with the Misfit Nation to help them become better versions of themselves. If you're a corporate leader or an entrepreneur, come on and share how you did it and how hard you have fought for success. If you are a veteran, first responder, or Gold Star family, we would love to have you come on and just share your story with the Misfit Nation. We always have time for you. If you're feeling down, alone, or starting to see the darkness, stop. Think about those who are around you. You are not alone. You will be missed. If you feel like your problems will be a burden to those in your inner circle, or are embarrassed, dial 988. If you are a veteran, take option one. We need you to keep pushing forward. Don't make a permanent solution to a temporary problem. If you're a new listener, welcome to the Misfit Nation. Be sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast apps and also on our YouTube channel at the underscore Misfit Nation. Subscribe and click the bell to keep you up to date with our latest episodes and all of our news. You can also find us on Heroes Media Group and About Face Radio. Now, let's get to the show. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to our Thursday after dinner show. We have a good one tonight, y'all. We have the Army Special Forces veteran more than 10 years of experience enabling those who act to defend life, family, and country. Knowing firsthand the importance of self-reliance, he has made it his mission to enable and empower others so that they may have healthy and thriving lives as well. So without further ado, let's welcome John Brewer to the Misfit Nation. Welcome, John. Thank you for having me. 
Uh, it's always great to have a, a veteran come on with me here. I always have time for my veterans on here, especially when they're doing great things after service, when they're uh, starting their their next chapter in life and doing things to help others still showing that they still have that purpose in life. And it's great to have you here to share your story with us. Oh yeah. I appreciate the opportunity to share it. So John, I gave a basically a two sentence a blurb about you there. I know there's a lot more about yeah. John that's out there. If you want to go back as far as you want to go to maybe why you joined service and then what made you decide that this is where you wanted to go. Yeah. So yeah, my, my reason for joining is, is a little, um, you know, it is um, not, you know, the normal it's, I, I just, it's always been in the back of my mind, but at the same time, it's been something to where, uh, you know, when I went to college, <clears throat> I decided uh, my junior year that I wanted to do something with a little bit more purpose. At the time, my uh, degree was actually sports science, which actually I finished it out. But, um, but what I ended up doing is I, at that point in time, I don't know exactly what got me into it, but I started, uh, understanding or not understanding but becoming aware of human trafficking and, and child exploitation and, and things of that nature and actually that's what got me into the military as as oddly as it sounds not because that's what the military deals with but i thought that was my opportunity to gain experience to then put on my resume and then and then be able to be hired by a federal agency somewhere that that actually uh, performs those types of uh you know uh that goes after those types of people and and what ended up happening is uh Funny enough, I didn't know about the Green Berets when I was younger, uh, you know, and <laughs> I did a podcast with uh, Clint Emerson and he kind of laughed about that because he was like, you never watched Rambo. And at the time, I think I've seen pieces of it. You know, it's just uh, it's just, you know, I know it's a classic, but it's just something that I never had had watched before. And and obviously, I, um, you know, I knew he had something to do with the military, but I didn't know until later on that it was the Green Beret uh type stuff and so that's why you know my my story is a little unconventional when it comes to to how i joined but that that's kind of the background on, on how that happened and i talked to a recruiter he told me about it I, it sounded like a good fit so i decided to talk to a recruiter got an 18 x-ray contract and and then you know it took off from there and you know at, at that point in time i say you know i say this all kind of fell into place you know uh you know just a matter of factly but at the same time once i did have it uh, decided that I was going to go and, and and try out for special forces. That was my purpose. And, and I took it very, very seriously. And uh, so once that happened, I went to selection, got selected. And all through the Q course, my motivation was, is that I did not want to be put in regular army unit, not because I don't think they do good stuff. It's just because I knew my personality wouldn't fit. Uh, I'm not very good with authority. Um, which is very ironic come you know being in the military and not saying that i didn't have to deal with that in special forces but it's a little bit you know different uh mindset when when it comes to things of that nature and and so once i did graduate from the q course i did uh three years at fifth group where i deployed to syria twice and i enjoyed every minute of it i actually uh i love being on the team i loved actually deploying to syria i, I like the middle east uh it's very especially where we were it was, uh, you know, it was very, uh, it was a rural community. Uh, so it's, it was very enjoyable to enjoy just the, you know, the quiet nights when you could and, and things like that. And then uh, during the deployment, I realized that I wanted to reclass because at the time I was a Bravo, which is the weapon sergeant. And I wanted to reclass to a medic because I realized that medics, uh, they're such a huge asset to the team. And then also they get put on every single mission. So I wanted to, instead of fighting for a spot on, on, on missions, I wanted to actually just be placed there. Uh, so I decided to reclass. I went back to Bragg, which is now Fort Liberty, and then 
also and so I reclassed there ended up meeting my now wife then girlfriend and knew that right then and there uh if i wanted to really have a, a solid family life that it might be time for me to, to get out and actually and also it's because she had a, a very good job she's actually a uh a 15 with the the bureau uh at the time she was like 11 so i knew that she didn't want to come back to nashville which the bureau doesn't have a field office in nashville but you know it's just I knew at that time, like there was a definitely like a, a fork in the road and I needed to make a decision. So I made my decision, but I knew. And, I, and then also going back to what I was saying in the beginning, my whole reason for going into the military was to gain that experience and I had gained it. And so I thought now was a good time to really branch off and try to go back to what I wanted to do before. And so uh, so that's kind of been that experience, too, because obviously uh, federal agencies, although, um, you know, I'm not saying that it was hard for me as a personally, but it's just hard in general, right? It's a long process, a lot of stuff going on. I just, uh, um, recently at the back end of, of one particular, uh, hiring process, but at the same time throughout that whole process, cause I've been out of active duty now for three years. Uh, I had to start working on other stuff. I had to realize that, Hey, you know, I can't just sit on my thumbs and wait around for someone to give me a job. Like I have to do something. So I decided to, and then, you know, when it comes to child exploitation, things of that nature, that's really a lot of it's handled by law enforcement. Uh, well, most of all of it's handled by law enforcement. And then obviously there's nonprofits that kind of support that that mission. And 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 but those nonprofits are, you know, they're looking for very specific uh, skill sets, which is mostly analytical work. And that's not truly my background. So I had a hard time really, you know, uh, getting in that community. So I decided, you know, I was going to make my own way. So that was that was through this book. And although it doesn't pertain specifically to child exploitation, it does uh, help families protect their children in a variety of different ways. And then also it helps adults to, to really get a grasp of, of uh, their life and be able to protect themselves and, and live the life that they want through self-defense principles and, and transferable skills that they learn in self-defense uh, type of training uh, that then can be used in other uh, you know, uh, avenues in their life. And that, and that truly became, that's how everything kind of morphed together. And that was from my experience with special forces and just my mentality when it comes to life in general, being self-reliant and not relying on uh, other people to, to really, you know, support your life. Cause like I said, you know, waiting around trying to get a job in the federal government is, is a hard thing to do. And I realized if I needed, if I wanted to do something, I needed to do it for myself. And so that's why the, the book itself became a self-help book rather than just strictly a self-defense book, because I know how, how important it is to be self-reliant. And so that's how that's how I got to this point. And and thankfully, it's uh, it's been a good journey. I, I've learned a lot. And then uh, just recently, the book went live and it, it went live on Monday. And so uh, now it's the real work of getting the getting the, the book out there and letting people know about it. And, and so um, and so it doesn't go to waste for the information and my perspective. Because like I said, I tell people all the time, it's just my perspective on things. It's not, uh, you know, the right or wrong way to do it. It's just the way that I've learned it and then the way that it's, I've kind of uh, manifested in my head. And, and this is just my my model and and my uh, solution to the problem. That's, I mean, that's a great approach to it as well. And I did the same thing when I wrote my first book. And I knew that if I just reach one person and teach them, it's a success. And oh, yeah. getting it out there, the work, the work wasn't that, I didn't think it was that hard to write it. It was because it took a year to come up with all the ideas and then a year to get it out. So it wasn't that hard, but getting it out there. And then you, like you said, the second part is the harder part, getting people to actually oh, yeah. get it. 
without just you know, friends and family, getting people outside of your circle to actually uh, go out and get it. And like the viewers going live this week, congratulations on that. Thank That's you. That's awesome feat in itself. And uh, the book is called Fight for Your Best Life. Uh, correct? Yep. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> it's everywhere or is it just Amazon or did you go to like Ingram Spark or something like that? It's it, right now. It's just Amazon. I've I've set up my Ingram Spark account, and because really, truly, I want it in libraries, just because I know there's a population that uh, that may not, you know, search on Amazon for books, and and maybe they, uh, you know, especially in the more uh, poor income communities, to where they have the library right there, and they might go there uh, for their reading material. And I definitely, because part of it is, is you know, I wrote this book thinking about different victims of of whatever crime. And one of those crimes was domestic violence and things of that nature. And so I really wanted to make sure that I could get into the libraries so that those who were looking uh, uh, for a solution, uh, if they were being abused in, in a domestic violence situation, they could go to their local library if, if that's the, all they had. Uh, and, and so I am in that process. It's obviously it's not there yet, but that's the goal. And definitely you got to probably see a lot of that in Syria, the results of domestic violence in Syria. Uh, just by their the culture itself. It's what we perceive as domestic violence. It's what they believe is right and the, their way of life. And it's hard for an American when they go there to kind of hold back and not go a little over the top when they see the man do something to a woman over there or to a child. But we gotta have to understand their culture, but here it's, it's definitely not acceptable. In most Western countries, it's yeah. not acceptable. And you being able to teach them to self-defense training become self-reliant that will help a lot of people in there in the interim to get better at this yeah so how long did it take you to write the book the actual writing probably took um six months uh but i did um you know because really truly it's uh Cause you know, at the time I was, I was doing my MBA and then, uh, so that got me back into writing, which was good because I've been out of practice for a long time. And, um, and so I learned that truly I just got to get something cause I'm not a perfectionist. Uh, I'm, I tell people I'm like a lazy perfectionist because I'll, I'll, I'll be very like, I'll be very, you know, like a perfectionist up to a certain point when I get like tired and I'm just like, you know what, I'm just submitting this paper. My professor can give me whatever grade he wants to give me. And, and what I notice is that, uh, if I just put something down on paper without trying to make it perfect and, you know, have that outline and then that rough draft, and then just going through the steps of, of the writing process and not trying to have a perfect final draft in the very beginning, everything falls into place a lot easier. And so that's, that's why, uh, you know, when I first started, I put everything on a whiteboard and I took pictures of it. So all my notes and everything was on the whiteboard and I took pictures. And then from there, I was just making an outline on the uh, on Word. And then from there, I just filled in everything. And and thankfully, I was able to do like three rounds of developmental editing. So I got three different perspective on like, uh, you know, kind of what to add and, and maybe what to change the tone in a certain time. Because I definitely wanted to put a little bit of humor in there at the right spot and then be very serious in the right spots because it's a book. It should be entertaining. But at the same time, you know, it's a very serious subject matter. And so I, I, I wanted that balance. And so, um, but yeah, I think it was six months total uh, with the writing portion. And obviously, uh, once it came to like back and forth editing, that takes a little bit of time too, because that's when you're really like trying to think whether or not that's the best decision to go one way or the other. And then you really get in your head about, you know, what sounds right. And so you just kind of like 
got to make your decision and move on. And so I'd say that's probably what held up the book for the longest time there. And then, um, and then yes, yeah, there's also, I actually did uh, buy into a, um, they're called selfpublishing.com and they have a course that you go through and you kind of learn, um, you know, it's a self-paced course. You kind of learn how to write and then also how to market. And then they also have coaches and, and done for you services and things like that. So I've had help and, and it's been great having, having that help. I mean, I had to pay for it, so it's not like it was free, but at the same time, uh, you know, having, having that kind of accountability and that training that goes along with it, because, uh, you know, a lot of people have a lot of good ideas, but it's about presenting it in a way that that's definitely going to be easily digestible and, and also entertaining. Like I said, books should be entertaining to a certain extent. Uh, you know, that's their information, you know, they're informative, but then they also do have to have the entertaining factor. That's just the way humans are. They need to be entertained. So, uh, so yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's been a process, but it's, uh, Thankfully, I'm here at not at the finish line. I'm at the next step, but it's it's closer. <laughs> Across one piece of tape, you're going to the next now. The, the oh, yeah, yeah. a little bit. You still got a long yeah. way to go, but you're doing oh, it. Yeah. As long as you keep putting one foot in front of the other and keep that positive mindset that you have right now, it'll it'll come to fruition. All the things that you want this to accomplish will come out, and then your next one will come out right after that. Yeah. Well, there um. Did you uh, have parts of the book that you didn't put into the book that maybe you released as either a blog or maybe a newsletter along the way? Yeah, I did actually. I um, <clears throat> I really wanted to have a verbal resolution uh, chapter. You know, when you talk about de-escalation and things like that, um, and and really because I had I had listened to uh, Never Split the Difference uh, by the uh, Chris Voss. You know, he's the um, he used to be an FBI negotiator. And that really got me, and that's more towards, I mean, that's for any aspect of life, but you know, now I think his business model is more towards business negotiations. Uh, but I really wanted to have a chapter in there about, um, you know, just, you know, being able to deescalate any situation verbally uh, or, or whatever means without, you know, going physical. Uh, but, you know, I didn't think I had truly the expertise. I have a method, but at the same time, I wanted to have the best practices to be able to put in, in the book. And and so I had to take that chat. I did have that chapter in. I took it out. And and what I really would like to do is build because what I how I think about the book is it's a foundation. It's just the bare fundamentals of, of if you don't have any background in self-defense training or anything like that this gives you a good foundation to kind of build off upon you know because obviously special forces were very big in the fundamentals and which the military is in general but like you know we we know that you know there's a process to learning and education and you have to start at the foundation because if you miss some of that then you're going to be kind of losing sorry you're going to be kind of losing some of the stuff uh as you progress and so and so, yeah, when it when it comes to the business model, I definitely am going to try to bring more people to the table. I definitely want to start a blog. I might even try to start a podcast just for like people come on with a you know quick perspective of their background and maybe a quick methodology of how they deal with whatever aspect of self-defense. It could be a variety of things and a variety of uh, different situations. But definitely like the book is meant to be the foundation. And I'm just trying to build upon that with different people and what they bring to the table. So when you decided to use self-defense and military mindset of it, did you think that there would be any pushback from those non-military people that might read the book first and say, oh, this is crazy, it's just military, or maybe it's easy for them to understand and be able to jump into it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I 
the funny thing is, is I, I loved my job and I, and, and I respect everything the military does, but I definitely, while I was in the military, I tried not to have that become my identity. Uh, and, and, and even now, like in the book, I, I present military principles, but I knew that one, the military and war is a lot different than, than self-defense and civilian life. And so I wanted to make sure that even though these military principles apply, you don't have to have that militaristic mindset of, you know, or stereotypical military mindset of like aggressiveness and, you know, offense and things of that nature, because, you know, you know, that it's, it's all about time and place. Right. And, and I do actually, <laughs> I mean, in the right time and place, I am all for aggression and, and getting stuff done and even here in the United States, because if you're put in that situation and you have no way out, then you're going to have to use some type of aggressive strategies to, to get your way out of there, whatever that may look like. But at the same time, I knew that, you know, uh, this book isn't really truly, I mean, I, I definitely market it to military too, because, you know, like I said, it's my perspective, but at the same time, I know a lot of military guys probably already have this foundation. And, and, and so they already understand the, the concepts that I present. Uh, but what I did try to do is bridge the gap between military and civilian mindsets. And, and cause I do talk about ambushes and raids because they are the same type of techniques that happen here in the U S I use the example of, you know, in New York, we haven't seen it in a while in the news, I don't think, but, you know, guys were getting punched just randomly and I, I to that an ambush. And then when it comes to a raid, I think of active shooters, you know, school, school shootings and things like that as raids because they go into a fixed position and then they normally, you know, a raid normally you withdraw. And then in their particular case, normally they, uh, they commit suicide or maybe a suicide by cop, but at the same time, the, the elements are still there. So I, I present those in a way that are from a militaristic training, but then I try to bridge the gap to, to make it fit, uh, what happens in the United States. And so really that's, that's really what I was trying to do is just translate a little bit of stuff, uh, to make it make sense for, for civilians who might not have this background. And with that being said, do you believe self-defense is for everyone or is there just a niche for that? Or, or I believe personally, yeah. everyone needs to know self-defense. Yeah, no, it's self-defense. I mean, it's because my first chapter actually uh, goes over Basil's hierarchy of needs. And that's the, that's the second level. I mean, it should be kind of part of the first level, but you know, the first level is to sustain your life, you know, right there and, and now, and, you know, safety and security needs are second on, on that level. And so that's why I think it's for everybody. That's why I really want to start branding it in a way that it's not just about being put in a bad situation. It's also about these transferable skills that you learn that then help you, uh, if we're talking about the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it helps you then achieve the next level in, in the uh, pyramid uh, and, and to where you can reach your purpose or your self-actualization. And that's really how I brand self-defense. It's, it's transferable skills that can be applied to, uh, to any aspect of life. And, and truly the great example of that is problem solving, right? So in self-defense, you have life or death uh, problem solving. And if you're able to do that in, in any other part of your life without the threat of life or death, then you're going to have a better model for it and you're going to be a lot less stress and, and you're going to be able to make better decisions. So that's why I do think it is for everybody. And that's not just a, a niche for military or law enforcement or anybody like that. I'm glad you, you broke it down like that. Maslow is the best way to break that down, especially if that helps anyone can understand why they need it at that point. Uh, you brought up the yeah. New York situation where any, a lot of big cities that was happening, the punch and runs or whatever they were calling it, uh, TikTok yeah. challenge probably. And uh, 
that caused a lot of chaos and a lot of, I guess, fear in a lot of people. And that's self-defense right there would have stopped a lot of the, a lot of those situations. Oh, yeah. Just being aware of your, your surroundings too might help out yeah. as well. Oh yeah. You mentioned fifth group. Uh, I currently work right across the street from fifth group now. So. And, oh really? Yeah. Right by the parade field there. Well, just before the parade field, uh, me and one of the listeners oh, okay. we actually trained with fifth group on September 11th. It was a good time. And you talked about, the difference between conventional and the group guys, and you can see it every time we train with those guys, it's all business, all business. And then with conventional guys, it's how quick they can get on their phones and do whatever they can do instead of training. Yeah. So you can see the divide there, and the professionalism is always there when we're with the group groups. Yeah, which, I mean, I I, I know there's, you know, good conventional units out there. Um, but, I'll, you know, when I because I switched over to the guard after I uh, got out of active because I wanted to – I didn't want my I didn't want to quit, you know, cold turkey, so to speak. So I, I came here to Maryland and, and I was in the guard. And and that's another thing. Uh, you know, you think some units in, in active, you know, duty, whatever are bad. And then you get to the guard and it's part time for them. So they're just like, hey, uh, you know, it is what it is. And, and you know, that's like that in every organization. I can't really uh, gripe on the military too much because it's like that everywhere. And, and honestly, uh, it's just human nature that there are going to be some you know, some communities or some circles that, that that happens. But yes, when when you have a tighter knit community and 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 you're able to really control what happens in there and and uh, and are select you're selecting your people based off certain attributes, uh, you do usually have a better outcome when it comes to performance and um, you know just get stuff done usually. Definitely, if you can give say three tips without going too deep into what's in the book on getting a better. Uh, adapt adaptation on self-reliance or self-defense what would that be yeah so it's uh number one is know yourself uh so have that self-awareness of uh where you're at in life where you want to be at in life uh what are your strengths what are your limitations and then just try to align everything with that because uh, the worst thing you could do in life is have something that doesn't align with it and then you have this conflict that's always happening uh so that's and that's how that's i dedicated section one to that topic which is self-awareness um, I would say secondly is to be aware of your surroundings, just plain and simple. Uh, you know, it, that, that's one of those things that's very simple to do and, and hard to really practice because, uh, when it comes down to it, uh, you know, we're very distracted as a society now. So, but being aware, uh, and then just having that understanding that, you know, it, things are fine now and it probably will be. And there's only maybe a 1% chance that something might happen. But depending on what that 1% chance is, uh, something could go very, very wrong. And then lastly, I would say. Um, I would say in general, and this is kind of in life and, and also through this book, is to stay curious and, and don't ever think that, you know, everything uh, because we never do. And, and there's a quote out there and I can't remember exactly what it is, but it says, you know, the more I know or learn things, the more I understand that I don't know anything. And and I think there's actually a term that, that goes along with that. But that that's true. And and that's, you know, when I was younger, I really didn't have that thirst for knowledge that I kind of do now uh, to where, you know, just whatever you know, that pertains to your life, or maybe you're just like, you know, you, know, you want to learn random facts, you know, whatever it is, just stay curious. And then also question everything. Uh, I think that's a part of it. There might be a fourth tip, question everything, right? So if someone tells you something, you don't have to debate them on, on, on any level, but at the same time, 
you know, uh, don't take anything for 100% unless you have the same background knowledge that, that they do and you know for pretty much certainty that they should tell them the truth or, or understand exactly what they're talking about because there's a lot of professionals out there that are putting out stuff in, in every industry. And it's like, hey, you know, that, that should be questioned a little bit. And I'm not saying that should be complete anarchy and, you know, you fight the guy on it. It's just, you know, ask him a question to say, hey, you know, where did you get, get that information from? Or, you know, where can I find more information on this so that I can, fact, you know, not fact check it, but just validate it for my own eyes, right? And so that's, a, that's what I would say the three tips would be. Yeah, I like that you said you don't have to debate it, but at least get the knowledge that they have or wh where they got that knowledge from so that maybe yeah. you can either dive deeper in a different way or just have a healthy conversation with that person. Don't just accept everything at face value sometimes. It's, it could be totally false, especially probably real close to where you are in D.C. A lot of things are fluff and false. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of smoke up uh, up your butt. So, <laughs> <laughs> smoke and mirrors, smoke and mirrors. <laughs> so, how can someone get in contact with you, John, if they want to either have you on the show, maybe just chat with you like we are right now, or or just pick your brain? Yeah. So my I got my website up. It's mindshieldandspear.com because uh, that falls under my LLC. Is kind of a it's the actual name of it is Mind Shield and Spear Consulting Group. And it's kind of the the lead in to to what the book provides. So the book, like I said, is that foundation. And then the consulting side of it is just if anybody wants a little bit more, uh, you know, just like mentorship, education, training, stuff like that, they can reach out to me and and we'll just talk about, you know, whatever it is, probably following the outline of the book. But at the same time, it'll be just a little bit more tailored solutions uh, or just a little bit of more facilitation, because uh, I like to tell everybody I don't want to solve the problem for you. I'll help you along the way and I'll help you get to that that solution because that's that's the thing about self-reliance, right? You don't you don't need to rely on me either uh, for, for the for the solution, because I'm definitely not the solution either. It's you're the solution and I'm just going to help you get there. So I'd say mindshieldandspear.com is, is the best place to find me because that I have my uh, uh, there's an icon at the bottom for my LinkedIn. And uh, so you can message me straight from LinkedIn. And then the book itself is is on Amazon. You just do a, a normal search, fight for your best life on Amazon. You'll find the book. And that also connects to Mind, Shield, and Spear. So it's all kind of connected. So, uh, so, but yeah, but I'll say the website and the book is probably the best way to find me. Awesome. And the website is going across the bottom of the screen right now for those who are viewing this on YouTube or Facebook right now. And if you listen to this in the future on our podcast apps, it'll be in the notes as well. If you look over his shoulder right now, you can see his book behind him. It's Fight for Your Best Life by John Brewer. So please check it out and support him. And if you have questions of him, reach out and talk to him. John, thanks again mm -hmm. for coming on and hanging out with us tonight. This has been a great conversation. Oh, thanks for having me. All right, brother. Have a good night. All right, you too. This message is from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Did you serve in the military? If so... You can obtain a free lifetime pass to more than 2,000 federal recreation sites. These sites are located across more than 400 million acres of public lands, including national parks, wildlife refuges, and forests. The lands host activities to fit any lifestyle, hiking, biking, fishing, camping, and much more. Gold Star families are also eligible for these free lifetime passes. Plus. They cover entrance fees for a driver and all passengers in a car, or up to three additional adults at sites that charge per person. Obtaining one is easy. 
Just go to the National Park Service website, nps.gov, or the National Park Service app. Thanks for checking us out and being a part of the Misfit Nation. Don't forget to visit our website at themisfitnation.com. That's themisfitnation.com. Check out all of our past episodes and get some of that great Misfit Nation gear. As always, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling. Because we are Misfit Nation. Misfit Nation. Misfit Nation.